today's scripture reading is from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. You can follow along in your bulletin or your Bible. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dwayne and Noah. Well, good morning, Lake Baldwin Church. My mom and my dad, they were born in Trinidad. If you don't know uh, where Trinidad is, it's in the Caribbean. It's an island off the coast of Venezuela. Now, their parents, my grandparents, they fled China in the early 1940s when the communists were coming to power. Uh, in the 1960s, my parents immigrated to the United States, and I was fortunate enough to be born here in America. And I, and I grew up hearing stories about what it was like for mom and dad to grow up in Trinidad. And I really got the impression of how much moving to America really did change everything about them, uh, the way they thought, the way they behaved, and what they pursued. Uh, it also affected the way uh, I was raised. It affected the way uh, my sisters were raised as well. You know, I have vivid memories as a child. Um, when I was really young, I remember lots of things about uh, our evenings. You know, we'd eat dinner, but after dinner, we would watch TV. And every night, without fail, we would eat ice cream. We would eat ice cream. And not only that, we would eat cheese puffs and Cheetos. You know, the, uh, I remember the blue can canisters, right? And we would, we'd had all of the different flavors, and we would eat that, too, as well. And then I started remembering all the big steak dinners uh, that mom and dad used to have. Uh, they, they were not living like they were in Trinidad any longer. They were living like they were Americans now. They had a brand new life in America. Now, lest you think it's all about uh, poor diet and uh, the poor American diet, uh, there were some good things as well, right? Uh, mom and dad uh, pursued um, citizenship. My dad went to college. He got his degree in electrical engineering, and he uh, went after a career in engineering, uh, a lifelong career at Florida Power and Light. So there were some good things there. But the point is, my mom and dad were in a brand new country. They were not living like they were living in Trinidad. Uh, they were living a brand new life. And so this morning, as we look at the first part of chapter three, uh, and actually it's gonna extend all the way through the end of chapter three, we're gonna see this idea that we have a brand new life in Christ and it's gonna affect everything about us. This week, we're gonna see how it affects the way we think and what motivates us and what we pursue. Uh, the, the week after that, you're gonna see how our new life in Christ, it's going to transform how you live, how you behave. And then the week after that, the last week that will be in chapter three, you're gonna see how our new life in Christ, it's gonna transform all of our relationships. But this morning, we're gonna unpack this passage 
and we're gonna look at three aspects of our new life in Christ. We're gonna look at the present reality of our new life, we're gonna look at the pursuit of our new life, and we're gonna look at the promise of our new life. Okay, the, pers the present reality, the pursuit, and the promise. So let's look at the present reality of our new life. The basis, the very foundation of our new life in Christ is the fact that we are in union with Jesus. We are in union with Jesus. Now I know uh, over the past several weeks we've been unpacking bit by bit about this idea of spiritual union with Jesus and we're gonna continue to do that. Uh, A.W. Pink, author and pastor, uh, in the early 1900s, he said this, the subject of spiritual union is the most important, the most profound, and yet most blessed of any that is set forth in the sacred scriptures. And yet, sad to say, there is hardly any which is now more generally neglected. The very expression spiritual union is unknown in most professing Christian circles. And it's probably true back then, it's true today, that we don't hear much about our spiritual union with Christ. So I wanna remind you of some of the illustrations that the Bible uses about our union with him. Remember that Paul talks about us being one body with Christ. He is the head, right? There's that illustration. There's also the illustration of marriage. Just like a man and a woman are joined in one flesh, we are joined to Christ in the same way. And now this morning I wanna to bring to you a third illustration and that is of the temple. In 1 Corinthians chapter six, we learn that the body is a temple. The spirit comes to dwell within our body which is a temple, right? And what is the temple in the Old Testament or the tabernacle? It was the place where heaven met earth. Interesting, the temple no longer exists, but now in the kingdom that is expanding, the temple is here. It's everywhere there is a believer, there is a temple of the spirit of Jesus living within you, right? And not only that, we live in the temple that is Jesus. So here's this third illustration for you to think about, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and we dwell within the temple that is Jesus. We are joined to him. And so our union with Jesus forms the very basis, the foundation for living our new life in Christ. It is the power that transforms the way we think, what we pursue, it transforms our life, our behavior, and it transforms our relationships. Now one other thing I wanna give you this morning by way of talking about spiritual union is are these two aspects of our spiritual union. That is the legal, in the vital aspect, you may, you may have heard of this before. What I mean by legal is in the objective sense. When you came to faith in Christ, what happened? You were joined to him, and what happened then? Your sins were put on Jesus, his righteousness was put on you. That's objectively what happened when we came to faith in Christ. That's the legal aspect, or at least one of the legal aspects of our union with Jesus. The second one is the vital aspect, which is subjective. It talks about it, the, the spirit living and working through us. It, it, it refers to our spiritual experience in 
the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Moms and dads, this morning, you have the Spirit of Jesus living within you. And that is a wonderful thing because you know what? As you're parenting your children, what does this mean? It means that the spirit of Jesus can work through you. That power can work through you to transform the hearts of your children so that they will love the Lord. You see, you don't have the capability to change their hearts. You don't. You can conform them externally and make them a good rule keeper, but you have no ability to transform their hearts, to transform them more into the likeness of Jesus. That is the work of the Spirit. That's one of the benefits of our union with Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you, you're suffering, you're going through a trial, maybe you're facing grief or the loss of a loved one, the fact that you have this vital union with Jesus through his Spirit, it means that the Spirit can give you a heavenly, otherworldly type of peace. It means the Spirit can give you rejoicing in the midst of trial. It means the Spirit can bring healing to your broken heart. Now, we have a bunch of students here this morning every week. I love it, the fact that we have students. Uh, you may be a student, and you're struggling with this idea of success. You're struggling with the idea of worth, of identity. Maybe you're hanging everything on your GPA. Now, this is where that legal objective union is going to help you. Because what the, your, your union with Christ says objectively is that you have Jesus's perfect record of righteousness. And that is so much better than a 4.0 GPA, okay? You stand before God fully approved with a flawless record. That's the measure of success. It's not a high-paying job. It's not a 4.0 GPA. It defines your worth. It defines your approval. It defines your identity. These are some of the ways that union with Christ has, has uh, grave implications on our lives. The second aspect of our present reality with Christ is this, that our status and our spiritual position before God, it's radically, radically altered. Let's see this in verses one and three where it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then in verse three, he, has, he says, for you have died. And so scripture is saying you, you have died and you have been raised. These in the Greek, they're in the aorist tense. That is the past tense. It has happened. It is accomplished. And furthermore, where are you spiritually located now? You are with Christ in heaven. Christ is seated at the right hand of God and you are there too. Paul would say this more directly in Ephesians chapter two, verse six. He says, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you are there. You are spiritually there in heaven with Jesus at the position of privilege, at the position of power, and you are ruling and reigning with Jesus. And you have been raised, just like Jesus, to newness of life. That means you are 
no longer who you were. If you are in Christ, you are a brand new creature, a brand new creation. Now, we were once dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what scripture says. So before you came to Christ, before you were in union with Christ, you were dead to God, but you were alive to this world. But when you become into union with Christ, what happens? There's this exchange, and what happens? It, it reverses. Now you become dead to the world, and you are alive to God in Christ. You are dead to the things of the wor this world. That's what the scripture is telling the Colossians. It's telling us the same thing this morning. For the Colossians, if you remember back a couple sermons, these are those worldly philosophies, the worldly teachings self-made, human-made religion and rules, legalism, elementary spirits of this world, elementary principles, elementary powers. You are dead to those things. They shouldn't influence you any longer. What you pursue, what you think about, your relationships, who you are. In other words, just like my parents, you are no longer in Trinidad. You are in America, live like an American. And for us as Christians, we are no longer of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We are part of the kingdom of God, so we should live like kingdom children. Paul is reinforcing this idea he already gave us in chapter one, verse 13, where it says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is that second aspect of our present reality in Christ. We are now spiritually located in heaven. We have been raised with Jesus. We are dead to the things of this world. The third aspect of our present reality is this, that Jesus, he's our very Life. You see this in verse four when it says, when Christ who is your life appears. Jesus is our very life, the power to live, the purpose for living, the one we actually pursue. I love the fact that Mark chose Galatians 2.20. I'll read it again for you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, we are dead in our trespasses and sin, and when we come to faith in Christ, he makes us alive to God, and the Spirit comes and lives within us, and now, guess who's really living? It's Christ who is living within us. You know, before we came to faith in Christ, we were dead. We did not have the spirit who gives life. And so it's just like that TV series, uh, The Walking Dead. You were just like a zombie. Right? You're stumbling around in this world, kind of alive, but you really weren't alive. There is no real life that's found outside of Jesus. We can go looking for it in all sorts of places. Right, we can look for it in our GPA, our jobs, our careers, how much money we have in our bank. We can look at our possessions and think that we have life, but there's no life 
outside of Jesus. When I graduated from college, uh, I poured everything into my very first job. I poured tons of hard work. Uh, I was looking for my job to give me some kind of worth, some kind of significance, some kind of meaning and satisfaction, and guess what? It did not give me that because only Jesus can give me that. I made my job an idol. I put it above the Lord, and it failed me as an idol. Only Jesus can give you life. Harvard recently completed their longest study ever on human happiness. Uh, since 1938, they've been studying this and following people, 85 years. Um, and they found the key to a good life. Uh, here's some truth, actually. They found that the most important factor for a good life, for happiness, is what? Deep relationships. Deep relationships. And I think... Actually, they're speaking a little bit of God's truth there, right? Because we were created to live in relationship with one another, and more importantly, to live in relationship with the one who created us and made us. Now, we know living in, on this earth here in this broken world, our relationships are going to disappoint us. They're not going to satisfy us. But that relationship with Jesus, the one who made you, that's the only place that you can find true life. Well, those are the, the present reality of our new life in Christ, the fact that we are in union with him, that our status and position has radically changed, and that our very life is found in Jesus. Now let's look at the pursuit of our new life. And so it's gonna be upon that basis, that foundation of these present realities that Paul is going to say, if, if these things are true, this is what you should pursue, okay? So the pursuit of our new life in Christ, it's given as a repeated command in verses 1 and 2. You're going to see in verses 1 and 2 these words, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Now, in those two sentences, there are two verbs. And these two verbs in the Greek uh, these are the only two imperative verbs in the passage this morning. And, and by imperative, what I mean is these are the only calls to action for us, okay? And these two verbs are complementary in nature, okay? The first verb is for seek. The second verb is for set your mind. And I want to unpack that a little bit for us and show how they are connected. So that first word, seek, Seek the things that are above. Zeteo is all about the orientation of your whole being, the orientation of your heart, okay? Some translations will actually just say, set your heart. I think that's actually a pretty good translation. Set your heart, because in the Bible, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about your motivations, the seat of your motivations, the seat of your will, the seat of who you are. So orient who you are towards the things that are above. And what is above? Well, heaven is above. And that's where Jesus is, sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning. Orient yourself to the kingdom of heaven and the realities of the kingdom of heaven. Right? That there is a king in heaven. That there is kingdom truth that there is a kingdom mission and purpose, that there are kingdom 
values. Orient yourself in that way, and it will affect what you pursue. It will affect your very purpose and meaning in life. Now, one of the, the realities of the kingdom of heaven where Jesus is ruling and reigning, what is he doing? He is gathering from all corners of the earth a people for himself. And that mission that is happening as a mission of heaven should inform us, right? So how does that inform us on a Monday morning when we go to work and we're tired? How does that inform us? Well, you should orient yourself towards that mission that's happening all across the world, right? It's a greater mission than the mission of your company to increase the revenue that day, right? I'm not saying you don't do that. You, you should do that as well. But you have something even greater that you're aspiring to. You have this kingdom mentality is what I'm talking about. And students, I want to come back to you again. This means that you have a higher purpose than your GPA. You actually have a higher purpose than whatever career it is that you're aiming at. Your purpose is to bring glory to God and to see Jesus's greatness expand across the entire earth. Not your greatness, but see the greatness of his name expand. That's what it means to orient yourself towards the things that are above. And moms and dads here this morning, what this means for you is you can embrace this value, this kingdom value of loving like your heavenly father. And how does the heavenly father love his children? Well, he loves them lavishly, unreservedly, without condition. He doesn't withhold love sometimes based on what we're doing and then give it. He just pours it out upon us. Orient your whole being. Orient your whole heart towards heaven and let heaven define how you're motivated and what you pursue. And then that second verb, set your minds, is phroneo. Now this one is not simply just thinking intellectually about things. It's actually dwelling on them marinating in them, dreaming about them, fixating upon them. It's the difference between thinking about schoolwork and dreaming about the things you love to do, right? We will dream all day about the things we love to do, but we really have to force ourselves to think about schoolwork like calculus. I know when I was in school, what did my mind dwell on? I thought about fishing. I thought about surfing. I thought about girls, right? I didn't think a whole lot about what was going on in the classroom. That's what we're talking about here. Dwell on what? The things of heaven. Dwell on the things of heaven. And guess what? This is how we seek the things that are above. This is how your heart is gonna get oriented towards the kingdom of heaven. How? By setting your mind on things that are above. And you can tell a lot about a person by what they are thinking about, right? What are they pursuing is connected to what they're spending all of their time thinking about. I know it's true for me. It's probably true for you. When you measure your, what you're, what's going through your mind, whatever is occupying the vast portion of your time is probably what you are pursuing, and so I want to challenge the church this morning and encourage you in this way about this. 
We are coming up on a political season. We're coming up on a political season, and the political season can just take over our entire lives. It can take over everything we're talking about, certainly everything we're thinking about. And so I want to encourage you not to be consumed and dwell on a political race that has no bearing on the kingdom of God. This world is passing away. The presidents are passing away. The kingdoms of this world are passing away. But Jesus' kingdom is coming. It has come, and it will last forever. So set your mind on the kingdom of God. You may be here this morning, and, and maybe it's not the political race or politics that is consuming you, but maybe you are concerned about worldly cares. Worldly cares. Maybe you're worried about what you're eating and drinking. Maybe you're worried about your job, what you're going to wear, your house, where you're going to live, what you're going to do. And I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus addresses these worldly cares, and he says, your father knows all about these things. Don't be anxious about it. And how does he conclude the exhortation? He says this, but seek first what? The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Take your eyes off of the worldly cares. Set them higher. Set them on things that are above. So what are you dwelling on this morning? What are you focused on? What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing your reputation on social media? Are you pursuing something of this world that is not going to last? Are you pursuing the kingdom of heaven? In Philippians 4.8, this is what Paul would say. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These things are kingdom values. Dwell on them. Fixate upon them. Dream about them. But dwell mostly on the king. Dwell mostly on the king who is in heaven, and that is King Jesus. He is the focus of the kingdom of heaven. He's the focus of the kingdom of this world. He is the fount from which everything else flows. So set your minds on Jesus and seek and pursue Jesus. That's the second idea, aspect of our new life in Christ. Pursue Jesus. Lastly, the promise of our new life, you'll see this in verse four. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so this is the promise of our new life in Christ that was inaugurated when we came to faith in him and were joined in him. It's going to culminate how? It's going to culminate in glory. When Jesus comes again and he appears in, with, in glory, we are going to appear with him. And so if you're here this morning, if you're broken in body and in mind, struggling with sickness or disease, or the aches and pains of old age, Maybe you're, you're suffering mentally. You've got a mental illness. You're su suffering with depression. There's going to be a day that you will be resurrected and have a glorious new body. Maybe you're here this morning and it's your own sin and brokenness that's weighing you down. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the world, the boastful pride of life. 
those sorts of things. Maybe it's that weight, that idol of approval. It's weighing you down. Or the need to be in control of things, and if you're not, it causes stress and anxiety. Those are idols. Those are more important to us than God, and we struggle to put them in their place. And the glorious culmination of our new life in Christ is this, that Jesus is going to give you a brand new heart, a glorious new heart whose affections are now directed heavenward to Jesus himself. You know, I recently planted a trumpet tree. I think it's called a tababuya. If I pronounce that wrong, you can correct me later. Um, you, may, you may know what these trees are. Uh, this is probably my first experience with them. We didn't have these over on the coast where we lived. Uh, and coming to Orlando in the spring, it was like, boom, you know, giant pink, pink trees with these huge flowers and then the yellow ones too. And I was just blown away for the couple months that these things were in glorious bloom. So I got inspired because Lucas Nursery had a, a deal. So I went there and got myself a trumpet tree and planted it. And that thing is pathetic. It, I mean, it's no taller than the, the microphone stand, and it's, it's definitely a lot thinner. I think if we have a hurricane, it's going to snap, right? It's pathetic. It's weak. There's no glory in that tree. But one day, one day that tree is going to be huge, and it's going to be glorious in full bloom. Church, our life is just like that pathetic scrawny tree. It's weak. No glory, or at least hidden glory, right? Our lives don't look very glorious. They look ordinary. They look mundane. It looks like we're always in the valley of despair. We're not on the mountaintop where there's beauty and there is glory. But one day, one day, that glory that is hidden is going to be revealed. And I think about some examples. We've had, we've had a whole bunch of new babies born into the life of LBC, and it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And I think about this when I think about hidden glory. I think about the moms who are waking up at 2 a.m. and doing that feeding at 2 a.m. because the spirit of Jesus is at work in them, and they are loving, and they are sacrificing, and they are caring for that child. I think about the dads who are getting up and going to work day after day and sacrificing and trying to carve out a little bit of spare time for their kids. Why? Because they love Jesus and they have the spirit of Jesus within them. I think about the students again who are buckling down and studying hard and saying, you know what, I'm not going to cheat. And it's so easy now to cheat in college and high school or whatever. And they're not doing that because the spirit of Jesus lives within them. These are hints of hidden glory. But one day, one day that hidden glory is going to be revealed. Why? Because our life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ comes again in glory, we will be revealed with him in glory. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, if you're here this morning, you've yet to follow Christ in faith. Some of this is going to sound very strange to you, this idea that we are in union with God himself, 
right? That we have somehow died and are raised and are located in heaven. That somehow our life is going to culminate in glory. These are strange ideas, but they can be yours too. They, be, they can be yours too simply by receiving what Jesus has done for you, who he is and what he has done. Right, he's paid the penalty for your sins. He has lived the perfect life so you can have that perfect record that I referred to earlier. And if you receive him in faith, turning away from the things that are of this world, turning away from your own sin and brokenness and turning to the king in heaven, Jesus, you'll be able to rest. Why is this? Because you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we have a new life and that new life is found in your son, Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise that in Jesus we are perfect and complete and one day we will be revealed in glory. Lord, help us now as we travel this journey here on earth. At times it doesn't look very glorious. At times it is tough. And so we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, set our minds and our hearts upon heaven, and especially upon King Jesus. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.